Hey guys, it's Eric. Young man, patience, and a smidgen of humility might also serve you well. Hey guys, this is Joe. At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found, one Christmas, that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I have grown, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe. This holiday season, I want to believe, but... For those who have ever doubted, remember how it feels to believe. There is a North Pole. Isn't that amazing? Tom Hanks. The Polar Express, rated G, starts Wednesday, November 10th. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Take two. Not bad, Eric. A little deja vu here. Not bad. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, we did this part already. We got like five <laughs> minutes in and then Joe's computer uh, crapped the bed, so hopefully it goes better this time. Um, VPN nightmares, man. Yeah, it's the world we're all living in now with, you know... Online meetings and whatever, but um, but how have you been? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we talked about it a little bit, and we're gonna switch stuff up for this episode. And uh, some of the time that we normally spend doing the how's it going, what are you watching, um, we're gonna we, we kind of have some bonus questions. So um, I had told Joe the first time how I've been watching Shit's Creek and really enjoying it. So um, that's kind of all you really need to know is I watched it once before got two episodes in and just kind of got sidetracked. My wife and I got sidetracked with other stuff. And now we're like seven or eight episodes into the first season and we're all in. That's like what we're watching now. That's um, a great show. Did you, uh, Chris, did you start watching it because of Catherine O'Hara last week or is it just like something on your to watch list? No, it was, it was on our watch list. And then we, like I said, we were, we were watching American Vandal and we finished the second season of that. So then we were like, all right, and we need something now because you know, especially now this is we're heading into January and oh, and and it's we're you know we're going to be watching a lot of TV right over, over the next couple of January February so um, we were like we got to find something so that's what we found so um, the the difference if you listen to the last episode we each had um, Joe kind of came up with a, a a question for me. And, and Joe's question, and that's what we're going to talk about first, uh, Christmas-wise or holiday-wise, is what is your your top three favorite TV holiday episodes or ho- holiday specials? Am I explaining that correctly? Yep. Yep. Perfectly. Okay. So yeah, it could be. I mean, we'll we'll know more once um once Joe gives his three and once I give my three. But I think it's a little bit open to interpretation. My yeah. three are my three are all pretty much like sitcoms or t- half-hour TV shows and. Right, like, holiday. yeah, and like that's and that's why, like, I like the holiday specials because, like, whether it's an, a regular, like, you know, if it's uh, a typical half-hour sitcom, they might have a half-hour episode in there. But sometimes, yep. like, they really like take this eventual specials and like make it a little extended, uh, like, like one of my favorites, for example. So, depending on how you, like you said, how you look at it, whether it's an episode of a regular season TV show or a special that's just like a one-done type deal, so it, it's it's left open so you can really like kind of pick anything in that category, which is kind of nice. Cool, cool. So just real quick, I mean, you guys already heard the trailer, but eventually after this, we're going to be talking about it. it was Joe's pick uh, this week. We're going to be talking about the Polar Express, which we'll get into that in a few minutes. But we'll start off with our, we're going to kind of shoehorn our, our TV picks in um, right now. Um, did you want to do, I'll go first because it's your pick. And Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Now, are yours, are yours ranked three to one or are they just three? I mean, the first two are like whatever. Though my, I do have a favorite though. So like the one stands. For I'm both. I'm kind of I'm kind of the same. I I do have I I'll, I'm gonna give them an order and I I believe in the order. But three and two are are, are pretty similar. So I'll give my third. You give you third. Your third Sounds and good. so on. Okay, cool. So my third and my top three is uh, Boy Meets World. First I knew you were gonna season. say that. Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, but one thing about Boy Meets World is, you know, there there are shows I grew up on like. And we're going to talk about some other ones, but that that didn't make it. Uh, there, there were some other ones that we made it, some others that didn't make it. I, Boy Meets World is one of the shows I grew up on. And although it doesn't have the best Christmas special, um, in my humble opinion, 
it might have the best they boy meets world had like three or four really good christmas episodes so they get points for that but the one that i picked is the first season so if you don't remember it um it was you know obviously Corey and sean's friendship was the most important part of that show and long story short uh sean's father loses his job and Corey's like how he handles that and how he tries to help his friend is he tries to give like Sean one of his Christmas presents. And then Sean feels like, you know, like, like, like just, I don't know. He feels he's, he's too proud and he feels pitied and stuff, but it it's really just, you had already gotten an, an introduction to their friendship in that show, but it was a, a great, um, a great, you know, way to stress how their relationship and the holiday spirit. And especially as a young kid, kind of Corey's just you know at that at that age I think he's like 12 and he's trying to do the right thing around Christmas so that's it so that was my third pick what do you what do you what's your first or your third so I grew up with a lot of animated specials so I love the live action specials as well like you know like I bought was actually I want to enjoy I, I watch the OC every so often the Christmas specials um but I picked three animated specials for my list today my third is Hey Arnold's Christmas Special this is when Arnold tries to give um, Mr. Wynn, who is one of his, the people who lives in like Liz's little um, apartment complex area, the perfect gift and reunite him and his daughter, his lost daughter, his long lost daughter. So this is like, for those who don't know, I'm not sure if you've already seen Hey Arnold's, but Arnold's like, uh, he's a pretty good kid. He's always trying to do the right thing. And uh, doing this like a Santa and he gets Mr. Wynn's name, but Mr. Wynn's such like a to himself kind of guy. So, he's trying to figure out what the perfect gift would be. And he finds out that Mr. Wynn has a daughter who he loved, who he loves and just hasn't seen in a long time. So the entire episode is Arnold and his best friend, Gerald is trying to figure out a way to find his daughter and reunite them. And it's a half hour long and it captures what the true spirit of Christmas should be versus like, you know, like the, the gift buying and gifts and all that. So it's a really special episode in my opinion. Yep. No. Hey, Arnold's an interesting uh, cartoon because if you that's a great way to show our age difference is I remember like right when Hey Arnold came out and it was kind of like I watched I watched it but it was kind of I was just getting to that age of like I was a little bit past that I still liked it and it thought it was funny and everything but that makes sense that that would be like a big show for you um, so my my second pick and I, I can't remember if if we talked about this on air or off air recently, but I actually just watched this. So when you asked me, uh, when you put me on the spot and asked me, this is actually the episode I was thinking of, but because I watched it on TV a couple weeks ago, uh, Fresh Prince, the episode's called uh, Twas the Night Before Christening. And long story short, Will Smith in his like Fresh Prince character, like, you know, typical Fresh Prince, he kind of talks himself into a problem where he's He's at a party and he's talking about how he knows boys to men. He knows the group boys to men. He's totally, you know, full of, you know what, he's just, he's just bullshitting. And, uh, but then he gets called on and someone's like, oh, you should invite him to Nikki's christening. Uh, it's his, so uh, Phil and Viv's young, young baby that was just born. Um, he's getting christened and he kind of says like, oh, I'll get him to the christening. But he didn't really think it was going to stick. And then it does stick. Um, so then he has to try to convince boys to men. Um, to, to come play the christening and that whole series of events really highlights what makes will one of my favorite sitcom characters of all time with like the goofy goofy but charming and witty um stuff and you get some great boys to men christmas music and it's just a great like family episode so that was what i was thinking of when you first asked me so that's my number two pick is uh twas the night before christening from fresh prince uh fresh prince of bel-air Oh, awesome! But they actually make the appearance in the, in the episode, Boys and Men, like the actual band. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh the, and, cool. and it's not and it's not just the singing scene. There's like, there's a there's a few scenes where he he goes to the recording studio and he's trying to like he's trying to get them to uh to, to he's trying to say like oh you guys remember me right and they're like no because they but it, it's really good if you if you happen to stumble upon it on TV because Fresh Prince is on reruns a lot now um, on VH1 and whatever but I highly recommend it. It's 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 so funny and it's will smith it's like will it's the best of will you know his his character so all right so what about you what's your number two my number two is i mean it's kind of everyone's seen this a charlie brown christmas 
I watch it every year. Um, I have in college, I had the Charlie Brown tree as my college dorm tree, basically with like the one ornament. I don't need to go run down the stuff of this because I feel like everyone's seen it. Um, but I do, I just love it. Like it's the soundtrack. I have the thing on vinyl. I have an autographed poster actually with the Charlie Brown Christmas. Like when it was re-released back in, uh, I can't remember one, a few years ago, all the characters came back and signed it. I, I just love this special. And for whatever reason, it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. And like, I get Charlie Brown isn't really our, the peanuts gang. Isn't really like a lot. Some people just don't understand the humor, but even if you don't understand the humor, the end message is pretty clear what it is. Yeah, no, that's a classic. That's that's a good one. Yeah, that Charlie Brown makes me think of when I lived uh, just north of Boston with my my father. There was like because my father's um, youngest brother or youngest surviving brother had lived there like relatively close to when before I was born, and he had from when he was a kid. One of the rooms was his old bedroom, and he had all these old like charlie brown um like he had a charlie brown trash can a charlie brown like all this random stuff that would probably if i still had it and i could put it on ebay it would probably be worth like you know hundreds thousands of dollars but yeah no that's that's a classic um so my top pick um i've mentioned this show before and how i was watching it and re-watching it or whatever the wonder years um season two um like there there may be more this is my favorite christmas episode i you could say you could look at lists and like charlie brown's probably a good example of something that's better but this is my my favorite i honestly feel like um this is just it, it's also really good too it's not just like a nostalgia thing so if you're a wonder wonder years fan you know that in season one winnie uh so danica mckellar her older brother was killed in vietnam and this is her first christmas without her brother and so Kevin and his pain in the ass brother Wayne were trying to get their dad to buy a color TV because that was like that time, that era. And they were so focused on him spending money. But then Kevin kind of realizes with what's going on, um, what's really important, like you said earlier, and what and he changes his plan. Um, a lot of, of, of Christmas is, is nostalgia and no one does nostalgia like the one New years. And if you have Hulu, uh, I Bree and I actually watched this the other night because when I was thinking about this, I was like, "Oh, we gotta rewatch it," and it's a you won't find a better 25 minutes of like feel good TV than if you watch this on Hulu. I highly rec- Hulu, I highly recommend it. So that's my number one. Awesome, I love the one the years, man. Same. Uh, my all time favorite is a Flintstone Christmas. <laughs> I watch it every single year. It's one of the examples where I was talking about in the beginning here, where a typical half hour, 22 minute series. It's extended to like 45, 46 minutes long. And it's really good. It basically is Santa Claus comes to visit Fred Flintstone, you know, he's on the rooftop delivering presents, but he slips and falls off his roof and sprains his ankle, blames Fred for not cleaning off his roof. <laughs> it's like Santa and, Claus. Right. So kind of, exactly. Like really, it really is. Yeah. And uh, so Fred has to play the role of Santa to deliver all the presents in time before the night's over. And Barney's his little helper. And it's just a really fun episode with original music that was has since been recycled in other Hanna-Barbera cartoons later on. And it's all really good. And again, it, by the end of the episode, you realize like what the actual message is. And that's why I think I love this so much. That's why it's, I still watch it every single year. Yeah, um, no, that's... That's a classic, in my opinion. That is, that is a classic. Three three good choices, and um, yeah, I love I love the Flintstones. I think I love the Flintstones uh, and Charlie Brown when I was a kid. I haven't watched Charlie Brown in a while, but I would totally. Is that available to watch anywhere? So Charlie Brown Christmas. This was the first year where it didn't air on ABC, and Apple TV had it. But Apple TV was offering it. Uh, if you go on Apple, you can watch it for free. I don't know if that's still the case, but they were offering it free for a little while too so you could watch it but this is the first time in what since like the 60s that has it on abc which is wild okay all right good to know so uh we have another list towards the end of the episode that we'll get into um but let's get back to the movie we're talking about so it was joe's pick um we're doing the polar express and before joe goes into uh gets into why he picked that film 
what I'm drinking is it's from Stony Creek Brewery in uh, Connecticut, I believe. Um, and it's their holiday party, New England IPA. And it's very good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I went into uh, RMA unofficial sponsor of the podcast because they don't know that they're on the podcast or that they don't, they don't know who I am in relations to the pod in relation to the podcast, but I buy most of my beer that I drink on the podcast from RMA in Amesbury, Mass. And I went in there just looking for another Christmas beer. And I, I kind of just like saddled on it because it looked like it was holiday themed and it looked looked decent. And it's really good. It's really good. So um, if you have, if you're in the New England area or you have access to Stony Creek beer, I would highly recommend this time of year checking out their holiday party, uh, New England IPA. Very good. So I got, I got to point out too, I have hot chocolate. I thought that was fitting for this movie. That is very fitting for this movie. <laughs> and that's, remind me to tell you my, my, well, that'll come up later. But so why did you pick, uh, why did you pick Polar Express, Joe? Before I get into that, I just want to point out that Eric put, put on our story earlier today. All right. <laughs> We're calling our final Christmas episode of 2020. Thanks, Stony Creek Bear, for making the movie more enjoyable. I didn't write that. That was Eric. I just wanted to point that out. That was <laughs> me. That, that was as me. As clear as possible. All right. So, we are watching the Polar Express, which happens to be my favorite Christmas movie. And it's the one that I really kind of anticipate watching. I watch it once a year. This year might be twice because I, I watch it this year more of as like with the note taking. So, I kind of want to watch it and really enjoy it, enjoy it. So I'll probably watch it one more time, but I usually watch this movie once every Christmas Eve. And as a fan of the book, I think it did a really good job capturing, Robert Zemeckis did a really good job capturing this movie um, with extending it into an hour and a half feature from a pretty short children's book. So I love it. I love everything about it, which I'll get more into, but I had to make this my last pick for, before, uh, for Christmas. So what's your... Do you remember, like, what's your first memory of this one? Do you remember seeing it in theaters? I you do. Remember? Okay. So it was snowing out, and I was with my friend Anthony and his family. We went out to eat, and then to see the Polar Express that joins IMAX. Um, I really know what to, what, to what to expect, because at this point, I like the book, but I wasn't really into, like, following movies and, like, you know, looking into how they look and trailers and all that. So I was kind of out of the loop with all that. Um, but it was a perfect experience with the snowfall and everything. When it ended, we all talked about how much we loved it, and it was also my first... Uh, time at Jordan's and since then I've it's kind of been like my go-to place to see movies when they first come out when the world was normal at least so the ideal situation was when it was snowing out went out to eat and then saw Polar Express so I think the snowfall really kind of cemented that into a perfect memory for me nice so my first memory I didn't actually see this movie I think I've only seen this movie maybe like before this i've seen bits and pieces of it a few times but i think i've only seen it like straight through once before this but when i think of this movie i think of uh its release to dvd when i worked at movie scene at the rental store you know typical tuesday total madness like holiday season then the following year after it came out so like oh five um and, you know, just when movies came out on Tuesdays where Joe and I used to work, it was, I mean, it was crazy everywhere, but we had this like 99 cent rental thing. So it was, it was madness. So we got that's the, what we, I think. We got of. a real good side of all the creepers coming in on Tuesdays. We had the uh, creepers, the, yep. the Karens, yep. as you call them all on Tuesdays. <laughs> yep. yep. It was, it was totally nuts. And then my other, the other thing that I think of is maybe like five years ago or so, Bree and I went up to, to Portland, Maine. And they have like a Polar Express train in Portland, Maine. That have you done it? I've always wanted to, but I never got never never got around to it, unfortunately. So I'll tell you the truth. It's very underwhelming. And the reason the trains the train's cool. But the thing is, it would be like if I was like, Joe, you want to drive this Ferrari? And you were like, Yeah. And I let you drive it to like the tip of my driveway and then back it up. Like the train pretty much I was excited about it because I was like, regardless of what, what you think about the movie or, or if the movie really is like your favorite or not, I was like, I'm going to ride a train around like the bay in, in Maine. That's awesome. Like, I don't care what about the movie. That's that sounds fun. But the train track that you ride is like, I don't know the exact distance, but it feels like it's like 100 yards or like a couple hundred yards. So but we did it with my my uh, my Bree sister and our niece and everything. And but so they liked it and the train is cool and if you have kids it's a total 
I totally get it. If you, if I don't know if it would be worth it if you don't have kids, but so so undealt undealt by himself would not be a good would not be a good match. <laughs> you look a little creepy. You look a little creepy because it'd be like you and a bunch of like parents and then their kids. I have, I, have, I, have, I the onesie and everything. I'll I'll go like be fully committed. Onesie. I'll have the robe. I'll I'll be. And you'll look. You'll look even. That doesn't help. <laughs> right. That perfect. Even sketchy. At least have you hot chocolate on the train. I don't rem- I don't remember them serving us hot chocolate, but there was like a train station that we started at, and I think we could have gotten it there, but I could be making that up. But they didn't serve it on the, which probably makes sense because little kids and stuff, it yeah. would a oh. make a mess, b probably burn themselves and right. stuff. So, <laughs> um, do you have any facts as far as how it did financially? This one. So yeah, the Polar Express was released um, on November tenth, two thousand four, at a budget of one hundred sixty-five million dollars, making. $313.5 million in the box office. It was directed by the great Robert Zemeckis and written by both Zemeckis and William Broyles Jr., who also wrote Castaway, another Zemeckis film, along with Apollo 13, with a few others. Um, the movie's based on the book by Chris Van Allsburg, which I love, like I already mentioned before. I'm a big fan of that book, and um, spoiler alert, I also like the movie that it that it was adapted to, so... Oh, yeah, we're, we're, it did all right. Yeah, it financially it did pretty freaking good. It did good, but you, you it's one of those films I was I was going to plug this in, but it's one of those films that has gotten more more viewers and more fans as the years went on cuz with the budget of 165 million dollars and only made 313, it's not a whole lot of a it's not like a huge huge success, but seeing it now played on AMC every year on Freeform every year, it's definitely garnered. I think it's like starting to almost like all these other old classic films like Christmas Vacation, for example, they start getting that audience through different generations. Yeah. But. No, yeah. I, I think that's true. I, I, I and, and actually that's going to, so as far as how it was received, I'm going to tie into that in a second with, with a quote from someone, but uh, 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, four stars from Roger Ebert. And this quote from Roger Ebert is, ties into what I you were didn't just saying. Know, I didn't know that. Wow. Right. And this quote ties into what you were just saying. So Roger Ebert says, the Polar Express is a movie for more than one season. It will become a perennial shared by the generations. It has a haunting magical quality because it has imagined its world. It, it has imagined its world freshly and played true to it, sidestepping all the tiresome Christmas cliches that children have inflicted on them this time of year. So Roger Ebert big fan of the polar express so and, and like awesome. you said the timeless thing ties into what you were saying so um <clears throat> some other things that were going on uh this time in the world what was the release date of this one again joe in 2004 <clears throat> november november 10th yes i'm sorry right so um as far as film goes that month was pretty good um the incredibles uh bridget jones the edge of reason national treasure which we've talked about on the film on the podcast before i think is i don't care what anyone says i like national treasure Those were fun yeah yeah so um and then christmas with the cranks so talk about a movie by the way christmas with the cranks i enjoy but that movie is like the most quickly panned christmas film in recent memory <laughs> i've never seen that and i and i don't know that i ever want to i mean i would but i, I don't not like i don't know i i would have to it, Unless you pick it for something, I'm right. not going to watch that movie probably. But not not because I, I'm sure it's fine, but no interest. Um, outside of film, George W. Bush defeats John Kerry in the election. So this is obviously an election year, just like it is this year. Um, Let Me Love You was the single released by Mario. And I put that in here when I read it because it was just like a punch in the stomach as far as how old I am. In my mind, that came out like, I don't know eight years ago or something like that but apparently it was 16 years ago um if you're a boxing fan marco antonio barrera defeated uh beats eric morales uh majority decision in an insane fight if you are a boxing fan go back and watch that it's totally nuts and then longtime jeopardy champion ken jennings finally loses after winning roughly 2.5 million dollars and i didn't remember if because it, it may have happened over the four week break that we had um alex trebek's passing and just you know take a second to what a what a amazing human being he was and not that i knew him personally but you can't he's one of those people you can't find someone to say a bad thing about him he seemed like the sweetest man and 
on you and you always hear about like you hear about the contestants who were up on that show who learned english because of that show like that shows a yes. huge huge influence for a lot of people yeah so um very sad i mean obviously he had a great life and he he seemed like he was fighting and smiling right till the end like a like a true just like one in a million human but um yeah sad sad loss for for hollywood and for 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 mankind really but anyways back to positive uh joe do you have the back of the dvd summary for for polar express i do tom hanks and director robert zemeckis reunite for polar express an inspiring adventure based on the beloved children's book by chris van allsberg when a doubting young boy takes an extraordinary train ride to the north pole he embarks on a journey of self-discovery that shows him that the wonder of life never fades for those who believe. So, yeah, that's that Tom Hanks, Robert Zemeckis thing is going to, is going to come back up probably for both of us later on, but that right there, I mean, that pairing, especially Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, if you put Tom Hanks in your movie, you're going to make a a ton of money. So um, as far as this is an animated film. So normally I would give you like, you know, four cast members and how they were doing going into this movie. But since this is animated or what's, what's the correct term, Joe? Computer. It's a, yeah. It's an animated film. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to list as many cast members as usual, but I do, I really want to focus on two people and you just talked about those two people. So Tom Hanks, I don't need to tell you that, that Tom Hanks is, is a half decent actor. He's uh he's amazing. Everyone knows that he's also probably the most likable person in Hollywood or one of them. Um, what I do want to use this film to highlight, though, is his flexibility. So I'm going to pick some select films from his his long, perhaps unmatched career that's still going. Um, so he's got comedies. He's got comedies like Splash, Bachelor Party, Money Pit, Turner and Hooch, The Burbs, Lady Killers, The Terminal. Um, so he, he can do that and, and more. I'm missing some there. I'm missing quite a few. But then he's got powerful films that like just knock you on your ass, like Philadelphia, Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, um, and The Green Mile, and you know more. You can do the romantic role with like Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, all the way to voice work like this, like Polar Express, Toy Story, and everything in between. And there really isn't anything that Tom Hanks can't do. I I, I don't think he's he's kind of the perfect actor, the perfect celebrity, and what's scary is i don't know tom hanks exact age now what do you think he's around like in his 50s or 60 i think 60s 60s okay so um i'm looking at he's 64 so but acting wise that's like he's still got a lot of time and he looks he he may be 64 but he looks and acts like he's a lot younger so his career already is, is he might be the greatest actor of all time by the time it's all said and done you know what i mean as far as like well-rounded and again, he's one of those actors who, like you mentioned with Alex Trebek, never has anything, no one has anything bad to say about him. He's always the nicest guy. He's, he is America's sweetheart. And he's like totally unaware of how amazing he is. That's, that's, you know what I mean? I'm sure he is. I'm sure he probably deep down inside knows he's the man, but he doesn't carry himself like that at all. So, and then the other name that you mentioned, Robert Zemeckis, <clears throat> another impressive career. Um, so we're just going to talk about the films that he directed, um, there are other ones that he maybe was like a part of, but he wasn't the director. But obviously myself, when I hear Zemeckis, the first thing I think of is the Back to the Future trilogy because Back to the Future 1 is my favorite movie of all time, maybe tied with one other film, but it's my favorite of all time probably. Um, so that's what stands out to me. But if you dig a little bit deeper, it's, you know, there's a million Romance in the Stone, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Polar Express, just to name a few. So from Roger Rabbit will 100% make an appearance on this podcast at some point. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great call. So, um, so just the two of them going into this, going into any film, like whether it's Forrest Gump, Castaway, or Polar Express, you know you're you're doing all right and you're going to make some money. Um, so high expectations when you have those two names tied to your tied to your film. Do you have anything uh, written down for random facts or stuff you didn't know about, about uh, almost said Castaway, about Polar Express? Yeah. So uh, the film is listed in the 2006 Guinness Book of World Records as the first all-digital capture film where all active parts were done in digital capture. The film used 3D motion capture techniques to digitally record the actors' physical performances before skinning them uh, with their animated forms. 
the children's roles were acted by adults using oversized props to get the movement right. I did see that. Yeah, I, actually, you had more of that than you expanded upon. I saw that though a little bit, but yeah, yeah no, that's a good point. And again, like this is, I'm gonna get into this later on, but a lot of people, a lot of people's complaints on this film is the animation and how the kids look. I mean, looking at that and like how it's almost like a test subject for future animated films, you gotta give her some credit. I feel like. Yeah, it's 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 always like that. Like the first person, you have to give them credit for kind of trailblazing. And is it gonna be perfect the first time out? No, but no, right. I agree with that. And like you've already said, uh, you mentioned, this is the third Tom Hanks film directed by Robert Zemeckis. The previous films were Forrest Gump and Castaway. And you might like this one. You might also saw this one, I'm sure. But in the scene where the engineer and fireman are trying to grab the pin necessary for the train's throttle, in the background, you can see a working flux capacitor. This is a reference to Back to the Future and can possibly mean the Polar Express is a functioning time machine. I have some other time. Let me, I don't know if you have any other facts, but let me, nope, I have some you're, other. You're good from here on out. <clears throat> okay. So um, the year that this film is based on 1955 is the same as the first Back to the Future film where Marty goes back in time, which is obviously another Zemeckis film. When the hero boy pulls the train whistle, he says, I've wanted to do that my whole life. And Back to the Future 3 from 1990 another Zemeckis film Doc Brown says that and it does that and says the same thing so there's kind of there's some kind of it seems like references to Back to the Future in this film so which I'm always about um, so question about that back when we did Small Soldiers and Joe Dante referenced <laughs> the gremlins you called him out is this more acceptable because it's Robert Zemeckis <laughs> no it's it's more it's more like a there's a difference between like like paying homage to something and just like like trying to like you could if you've never seen back to the future or you've seen it but it's not like a big part of your life you wouldn't have got that line you know what i mean it's like there's a difference between like paying respect to another film and trying to make money off of it (laughs) just like a cheap thrill speaking of joe dante's fall soldiers it's being released on blu-ray for the first time ever (laughs) so there you go everyone i'll have to pick that up (laughs) no um that's pretty much it as far as fun facts i had a couple other little ones but those are the oh you had we had some of the same important ones i really do love the cross between the two of them though between back to the future and polar express like the fact that you could have like fan fiction take place between like both um both settings and like the same universe is really cool yeah no no and zemeckis's resume is pretty insane you know but do you have anything down for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment? This no, not really. I, I also <laughs> meant I also mentioned that it still plays in its original format on TV every single year. So yeah, I got nothing. I couldn't even <laughs> pretend. And, and I I almost I almost started like googling, like trying to find what someone could be upset about. And then I was like, no, this is stupid. There's nothing. There's nothing in this film. So anything I would have found, in my opinion, would have been stupid anyway. So what do you have down for your favorite scene? My favorite scene, so it's hard to choose for the, it's hard to choose for me for this. Um, there are so many great scenes that I look forward to each time I view it. But if I have to pick one, it's a scene where they're on the ice trying to get the train back on the tracks. Um, it's so good. And again, Alan's score. Uh, I'm gonna mention this again, but I think I mentioned this at the beginning. I can't remember if I did or not, but Alan's score, spoiler alert, I love. But Alan's score in this scene really shines. The excitement while trying to steer the train left and right to balance it until the moment it connects again with the theme queuing up perfectly. The scale of everything is bumped up a notch compared to everything else in this film before this. Okay. No, that's a, yeah, that was definitely one thing I didn't realize or I, I had forgotten about watching this movie is how much of it is like an action movie. You kind of forget about that. And that scene is a good example of, I don't mean that in a bad way. It was, just, it was, it was like a, a lot of like high energy tense stuff so um my favorite scene probably i think was the the santa scene like the i believe scene and it's it's partially because of the whole we talked about this like a little bit with home alone and the santa claus but the staying a kid thing is is cool to me and and it kind of ties into the quote that you had at the beginning um i also like when um santa tells that annoying little know-it-all a-hole to shut up and and be yes. patient, which which was my my <laughs> quote. But um, one thing I'm a huge sucker for, and you and you guys will learn 
that more and more as I give high ratings to these type of films is like a good friendship um, and like buddy films and, and stuff like that. Cause I've, ha I have some of the best friends in the world. I've been so lucky and scenes like the one where Santa says, there's no greater, no greater gift than friendship. Those just work for me. So I, I, I like, that was probably my favorite scene. Yeah. I must actually pick that quote. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was mine. Um, as far as soundtrack, let's give your opinion. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the stage is yours for the soundtrack. And then after you talk, talk about the, the Polar Express, we'll get into our favorite uh, Christmas songs. Sounds good. So I think the soundtrack is incredible in this movie. Last episode, I mentioned how Home Alone has the best soundtrack, um, but this movie has the best score, in my opinion. Alan Sorcery's score somehow captures the idea of believing in magic more than any other film. And when the theme cues up in the film multiple times, I have the biggest smile on my face. Um, so I think Alan Alone has a big part. We talked about, I think, with Santa Claus, how score didn't impact that film as much. This film, it's almost half of what makes it magical is his score. And it's a real shame that the movie soundtrack wasn't released on vinyl, with the exception of a promotional 7-inch, which features only a couple songs. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I really like the score. I wasn't as crazy about the songs that the characters sang, but I agree with you that I agree with you on two things that the score was great and that the soundtrack in general was one of the best parts of, of the film. So now to get to our, our commentary on music. So the other, so Joe brought up, um, Joe asked if we wanted to do a thing on our three favorite TV episodes. And I totally coincidentally had been thinking about asking Joe if he wanted to do um, his three favorite Christmas songs. So I'm going to give my, my number three first. Again, my three are kind of in order, but they're all great. So my number three, and this is, I think, a little bit of a curveball, uh, What Christmas Means to Me by Stevie Wonder. I think it's just, it's, it's upbeat, positive, feel-good song. And obviously Stevie Wonder is, so cool so talented um i dare you to listen to the song and not like start tapping your feet and, and smiling like you were saying about uh, the movie earlier just a total feel-good song so that's my number three what about you i have the carpenters merry christmas darling i think it's more for nostalgia than anything else growing up this would always play my house the carpenters on we had like this uh this jukebox machine where you have like seven inches in there and this would always play as a kind of go-to but while not the most upbeat song, <clears throat> it is really beautiful, in my opinion. Yep. And again, her voice is amazing. That's a good one. Bree would like that one, I think. I'll have to ask Bree. That sounds like something right up her alley. Um, my number two, Silent Night, specifically the Bing Crosby version, although there are like quite a few great versions of it. Um, it just, the song just like, it just, it's so like cozy almost. It warms me up, uh, if that makes sense. So reminds me of my childhood. Bing's voice is just super smooth. So I don't have any real explanation other than that. It just makes me feel good. So yeah, that's, no, that's pretty much my number. That's pretty much the reason why I picked my number one in a second. Um, but what my you know. second, my yeah, second yeah. one is a more modern one that I really enjoy is called Sleigh Bells and Reindeer by the band Act As If featuring. Did not Lucy see that coming. No, this is, I was, and I was, I was going to pick like a Frank Sinatra song or something more traditional, but I do really, I kind of want to throw one modern song into this mix because I do like original music as well. It's featuring Lucy Schwartz and Brian Fennell, who is a lead singer of one of my favorite bands of all time, Barcelona, and more currently, and much more popular, Simmel. This is an upbeat song, very happy, and the music video is also a real delight to watch. <laughs> so if you're one again, that Christmas spirit, whatever, watch the video, listen to the song. It will make you smile. All right. All right duly noted so i'm gonna give my number one one that i have to mention is like an honorable mention that um i didn't include on my list because it's very similar to my number one so i tried to pick i kind of was like i gotta pick one song like this but really this might be my second favorite song it's just that it's too similar to the other one is uh uh white christmas and it just it's too similar to what is my number one but i had to give a shout out to white christmas because i had to pick between the two so but my number one song is i'll be home by i'll be home for christmas by bing crosby again voice is just pretty much perfect and the song was written by someone named kim gannon to honor soldiers overseas during world war ii who were missing their families over the christmas season and um i was never in the military but you certainly think of those guys and girls this time of year and 
in a much less serious way in much less like, you know, dangerous way. Um, I think that this year with COVID and everything, there are a lot of people missing their families, even though they may be one or two towns over, but you're trying to play it safe and you know, you're missing, you're missing your family around Christmas. So I'll be home for Christmas by being Crosby, my number one favorite Christmas song. I feel like the movie with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I'll be home for Christmas. And edit that out. Don't, <laughs> don't you ever mention JTT's name and Bing Crosby's <laughs> name in the same sentence <laughs> again? No, I'm actually a huge. I was a huge Jonathan Taylor Thomas fan, but but we're not about, we're not going to talk about that movie. <laughs> we not very good. I watched it the day. It's not very good. Anyways, no. <laughs> my all-time favorite is the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Great. Like, that was on my list too. That, that's a great pick. Was it? I, you were mentioning before songs that make you feel cozy. This yep. is that song that does that for me. It captures Christmas perfectly, in my opinion. It has nostalgia. It has that kind all of the, all like references about like he he just paints a picture almost. He does, and like yep. it's with the soothing voice, and <laughs> it's almost like the in my opinion the Christmas anthem. It, yeah, no, that's a great pick, and I, I it's it's so proper that Nat King Cole is on this list somewhere especially at a number one spot because that guy is I think him and Bing Crosby are like the two if you were like which two voices like just stand for Christmas music Nat King Cole is probably number one his voice is insane and I know I couldn't agree more with you that's a great great pick so moving on to just the rest of the podcast past our list for now um I'm interested to see what you say on this one. What did you have written down for if you could change one thing? So this is kind of, this was kind of hard for me. I put um, the scenes with the ghostly figure in the film, sort of slowed down my opinion. There has some cool, like, animated scenes where, like, it's lying, like, skiing on top of the tram, which is kind of cool. But I feel like his character, the ghostly character, kind of slowed down while he was being progressed on the train. Um and from what I remember from the book, those were added scenes. I, I'm try, I was trying to think back, but I didn't want to look it up, whatever, because my book's buried somewhere. But I'm pretty sure that those that ghostly character wasn't in the original book. And then, like I mentioned before, you always hear the argument of the animation being creepy. And while it has aged, that never bothered me. Yeah, so my, 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 if I change one thing, it'd be the ghostly figure more than anything else, because I thought he slowed the, he, his roles slowed the film down. So my, if you could change one thing, you mentioned the book, and I don't i don't remember if i've ever read the book if i if i have i don't remember it but i felt like this movie watching the movie knowing that it was a book or it's based on a book it felt like someone just put a children's book on film and what i mean is like i don't think that there was i think the story wasn't super well constructed and i think it relied a ton on like nostalgia and holiday vibes and hot chocolate and whatever and that's fine but I, like i said i've never read the book so i don't know what that was like um but i'm not sure if this will ever happen i'd probably have to have give you like 45 hot chocolate with alcohol in it but i would love to i'd be interested to get your opinion on, as someone who studied film writing on like the acts and sequences of this movie because it just kind of felt like a long it felt like um like you joe always calls me a bro and he like <laughs> says how i'm like a <laughs> like a bro it felt like when you go into a sports bar and there's like or you go to like hooters and there's like oh like girls with big boobs and like football and beer it yeah, felt like well the that. floor express the kids film we bring pooters and yeah. boobs <laughs> no but it felt like it felt like that for for the christmas season and it some of the stuff i was like i don't really think there's a lot of substance here as far as the story it feels like you're just trying to like hit all the christmas buttons and hit all the christmas spots so just the story wasn't super well constructed in my opinion yeah it's one of those things <laughs> where you look at it like it is it's a short book. So Robert Zemeckis expanding that short book into a hour and a half feature. It, I can't imagine like what that process is like trying to figure out what to add for scenes and to make it more, to make it interesting still. But it, from, like I said, from I haven't read the book in a long time. From what I remember though, it does a good job including <clears throat> every scene that made the book so important to my childhood at least. Yeah. So that's why I think it's 
for a certain generation who grew up with it, maybe. And then, like you yeah. said, with Roger Ebert's review, maybe for future kid generations, they will start, you know. Oh, I can totally see how if I had a kid, I would want to watch this movie with my kid. It's, it's yeah, no, I, I don't doubt that at all. Um, so, with all of that said, we've come to the point of the, the program. Um, if you've listened before, you know we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep the, keep the movie? So a score of one is you watch it for five minutes and you turn it off and you're like, I'm going to go watch Home Alone for the millionth time and you return it to the video rental store because you don't want to pay a late fee. That's not the case though, but yeah, keep going. Okay, okay. <laughs> score of five is the highest score. So that's, you know, you want to keep it a few extra days to watch it again, show it to your friends, um, maybe even just buy it from the rental store. So that's the highest score, score of one to five. So it's Joe's pick, so I'm going to go first. And like I just said, I totally understand the appeal of this movie. Um, if you have kids or if I was even younger, it would probably have, have been a higher score for me if I was 10 years younger. Like, so this came out in 04. So I was 19 when this came out. So it's just, it's just a little bit of a different, but um, I can appreciate how impressive or, or at least um, trend setting or whatever that the animation was and what it did for the film industry. Um, I just think that when I compare it to other Christmas movies, other Tom Hanks movies, other Robert Zemeckis movies, it was just a little bit disappointing for me. Not bad. It just didn't live up to super high expectations set by Christmas movies. Some of the ones we've talked about already this year, Tom Hanks movies, maybe the greatest actor of all time and Robert Zemeckis movies. So um, I gave this one a three out of five and I thought it was surprisingly and i mean this is a compliment to the to those names i just listed i thought it was surprisingly okay and my what i was talking about with my wife is what i liked about home alone rewatching it for example was it kind of tucks the christmas and the holiday lessons in with a on like under a bunch of like hijinks and jokes and whatever and then at the end of it you laughed but you're like oh like family's important and you know stuff like that this one just kind of felt like it like slapped you in the face with it so it wasn't as subtle but um and then i think it's hilarious that if you asked me before we both kind of knew which three movies we we're going to end up watching and if you asked me going into this which one i was going to like the most i would have said polar express and i don't say it as a knock on polar express i was surprised at how much i liked home alone and the santa claus so all that, yeah, three out of five for me. Actually, they're gonna go, go lower. So okay. no, no, no. I didn't. I did not like it. I just, I liked it. I just, it wasn't. I, it's, it's more. Part of my score is probably influenced by how surprised I was that I liked Home Alone as much as I did, and that right. I liked the Santa Claus so much as I did. So let me start off by saying I have bought this movie so many times, from DVD to Blu-ray standard to Blu-ray with red and blue um three glasses to the actual 3d blu-ray i have bought this movie so many times and the record i uh it was a promotional record so i had to import that and pay a super amount of money for it but with all that said you're kind of what i'm getting out with this where i love this book all this movie i love everything about it it captures i think the holiday the best with the idea of again going looking back like from a kid's perspective the whole theme of believing i love that and i love that theme carried throughout these films that we've kind of watched throughout this um at least two of them and i just loved the, the everything about it. like you said it, was, it it led the way for animation for future movies and robert zemeckis tom hanks reuniting is not, not a bad thing at all so polar express is my favorite christmas movie of all time i watch it every year at least once this year i'll be watching it twice and i'm going to give it a five out of five. I agree with Mr. Roger Ebert with a perfect review. I'm not surprised that you gave it a five out of five, but I am surprised that this is your favorite Christmas movie of all time. That's that's high high praise from someone like Joe, <laughs> where Christmas is his life. Christmas is life. <laughs> yep. Um. So before we get into what we'll be reviewing next, I have to say that again, I said at the beginning, but this beer from uh, Stone Creek Brewery holiday uh holiday party ipa new england ipa is delicious and i highly recommend if you have access to it pick it up for sure um in closing 
follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. Um, we're past that. We, we thought about, we talked about trying to sneak in one more Christmas movie, but it would just be too much stress. And, you know, we did three Christmas movies this year. That's a good, good run. So we're going to move on. Um, and it's and my I'm, pick. And I'm happy. We, I'm, gonna say, I'm happy we even got that many because it was looking like in November, it was going to be kind of tight. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy we even got three. And like you said, and we, I think we picked three really good films. We didn't have any duds in the mix. So it was yeah. nice to have three good films. Yeah. And then they'll, you know, we'll review more next Christmas and there's, there's plenty of ones to talk about. So yeah, I agree. Um, if you have a suggestion, send it our way. Um, uh, worth the late fee on Instagram. So send it our way. Also follow us on Worth the late fee. Rate us on whatever you're listening to the podcast on. We appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, we've seen like an uptick in activity and stuff, which has been refreshing. And we're just trying to build this, you know, from the ground up. And Joe and I have no idea what we're doing. So seeing more subscriptions, listeners, comments, downloads, all that stuff is, is, right. is nice. All we want out of this is free beer. We want we want beer companies right. to recognize us and give us free beer. That's the right. goal. The day that that <laughs> happens, us. the day that someone says like, "Hey Eric, I I like, hey Eric, you know, I think my beer would go well with whatever movie." That's that's it. That's like the Stanley Cup. That's it. <laughs> so, um, next pick is is my pick. So, like I said, I'm, I'm moving on past Christmas and not for this pick, but I'm after this pick. I'm going back to the '80s and I might do a few '80s movies in a row because we've gotten a little '90s heavy. Joe partially because of his age doesn't pick a lot of 80s movies and i think our 90s our 90s is a little heavy so the, i'm about to pick a 90s movie but i just want to give a heads up there after this i might do three 80s movies in a row so long story short hockey season's coming soon i'm excited um i wanted to find a a good hockey movie to do and i think an underrated hockey movie underrated uh sports film uh we're going to skate the river and we're going to watch the underrated one of the most underrated films, Mystery Alaska from 1999. So awesome. we talked about that last episode, I think. So very cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I, I really do enjoy it. I think. And hey, did you say you haven't seen it? I haven't seen it. I know the cover, yeah. seen the cover of it multiple times a movie scene, but I never actually saw yeah. the film. I'll be, you know, I'll be interested to see what you think of it. I, I really do think it's like a, a great, not great. Like it's not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's like Hoosiers or something like that, but it's, it's a very underrated sports film so that's what we'll be watching and, and talking about next week and thank you guys very much for listening and uh hope you enjoyed the christmas episodes and we're moving on to non-christmas episodes and hopefully a better year in 2021 than we've had in 2020 tough to get worse i think so hopefully yep no absolutely so like you said it's hopefully the what we'll be going into uh with it with a with a good pick yeah so thank you guys very much for listening we'll be back next week with mystery alaska Thank you as always.